Welcome back to another episode of Lady Blurred Sings the Blues, a podcast where three beautiful, full-figured, talented Black women talk about their experiences moving through this world and sharing their knowledge to further support Black businesses and build up Black communities. Hi, I'm Kylie Too Smart. We have... I am Prowess the Testament. And... We got your girl here sometimes, V, on a wonderful Sunday, 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 Sunday morning. That's right. The Lord's Day. The day of rest. We are oh, all rested. Rest. Skin glowing. <laughs> Coffee. So cheers. rested. <laughs> so rested and so hydrated. Let's go. <laughs> so um, how's your week, Kylie? Um, my week has been hectic. Um, my aunt is finally here. And so I had to kick it into gear and um, I've been like painting <laughs> and moving. Uh, so actually I'm like pretty proud of myself because uh, the back room is looking spectacular. It's got two fresh coats of paint on it. It's ready for like furniture to be moved in. I'm actually gonna rip up the carpets and put that like faux like snap wood Ooh. down. I'm gonna go at Home Depot. Home Depot has been my jam Let's lately. Know. <laughs> I love Home Depot. Like, I don't know what it is, but I did a gardening project and that was my spot. Like, I was always in the gardening department being like, what do I need next? And like, I'm like, oh, they have all this stuff. Weed killer? What is this weed killer? And it's actually helped out my lawn. And I saw all these like cute little fences. I'm like, ooh, I want that for my for my yard too. So I'm like, <laughs> I might go back and do a little bench just so I can walk outside and feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> right? So on top of the house stuff, um, this I will be entering my last week for, for my certified neuromuscular massage therapy program. Hallelujah! We have made hey. There's a light! Chica, chica, chica. <laughs> so I will be reclaiming my time. Yes. <laughs> um, and that will just be like such a lifesaver we've been in such a grind like this this whole year has been a grind so i am happy that uh there there's a peace coming all right so that's my week was good my week was great it was productive i got a lot of things uh like off my plate so no that's awesome dude congratulations for real this has been the adventure. If we want to talk about Lady Blurred storytelling, this is this is one of them. <laughs> the the fate of oh, I have this test. Oh, the certification. Mm, massage. Mm, muscular. What was it? Muscular. <laughs> the neuromuscular therapy. There you go. <laughs> what fancy terms are these? I don't know. Progress. How's your week? <laughs> my so I'm not nearly as crafty um, as as Kylie. So I I tip I have a backlog of home projects that I need to do. But I'm inspired now, Kylie, to get myself to the local Home Depot and do some of that stuff. I gotta like 
put some shelving up in my closet um, because I ran out of space to hang clothes. So I'm gonna work on that um, over the course of, it's gonna be my month long project though. Not, I won't have an update until then, but I'm working on that. I finally got a chance to watch Squid Game. So that was exciting. Um, I'm so excited to, that like, I got a chance to, I feel like really um, fall in love with the characters and, um as well as the stories around it of course the you know, viral TikTok explosion now that has happened of people recreating the games and um recreating the experience of the actors just all kinds of all kinds of TikTok explosion there but um yeah i, I love that it was really great and i'm a fan of like just great korean films um but uh, this is definitely a wonderful TV show. If people haven't caught up with it yet, this series is going to get so much better. I feel like in season two, um, and I'm in love with like my emotions. Right? You mo I was like, wow. Uh, um, you're gonna make me go through this again. <laughs> <laughs> like all I could do is think back to the last episode where B was like, it left me a little broken. And I was just like, that should have told me everything I needed to know because it definitely left me a little broken. I was just like- Yes, it oh. is a lot of trauma in a short period of time to kind of, you know, deal with and handle because you don't get the chance to where in a typical series, you get maybe three or four episodes to kind of, you know, work that out. You don't, it's abrupt and you're just like trauma, and now it's a trigger. Now there's something else. Um, but I thought was must, must like I feel like there was a, a very deeply embedded part of the of the series that isn't really showcased as much, which is about childhood trauma and those things that happen in our childhood that last with us forever. And sometimes you suppress those things, but eventually, right at some point, they will come out, and that that might be the relationship um that you have that you have with your trauma as an adult is often influenced by what you had as a child but sometimes you suppress the memory so much that until you experience something really triggering that makes you recall those things um yeah you it's it's not really talked about much but i thought that was a recurring theme there that pretty much everybody had really unique childhood trauma that carried the arc um coming back and we'll talk about mental illness on the show and um yeah and mental health but yeah you know if you don't mind if i expand on that i actually i kind of had a little bit of a different take um where yes. with the childlike games mm -hmm. right from mm -hmm. red light green light to um like you know the little candy game yeah um also to um like jumping on the the glass like squares which yeah. we all do in the grocery store where like we see like the different tiles and we're like we only want to step on these tiles right Absolutely. but it was a little bit more extremist <laughs> yeah. i thought that because and spoiler alert for those who are listening if you haven't to finish this haven't to fin have yet to finish the show please finish it and also it's really hard to take a break <laughs> watching that show. Like you have to keep yeah. watching yeah. it yeah. to get the emotions through, like done and through. Um, but yeah, going back to that, I felt that, that that show with all of the, the adult accumulated debt that was, that was, um, you know, that had on each player that mm -hmm. the games took them to a place where they can be they can remember 
to be in a spot where they never had that debt before. I think it was just kind of like taking them to a spot like, hey, remember, remember where you started type of deal. And then when they die, they die based oh, off of okay. like starting off as nothing, starting off with nothing and then ending basically with nothing. Right. So like it was one of those things that that that's what I took from that, uh, from kind of a whole um, arc sense where it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have bills, you're not gambling, you're not like, you know, unless, you know, you're living like a very traumatic lifestyle when you're a child, like you don't have any debt, like you have, you rely on your parents or your guardians to like help you with that until you become an adult. And then you realize like, oh shit, like now I have all this money and now how am I going to play with this money to make more money? And then you mm. screw up and you end up with yeah. less money. And so when you're in that type of um, panic, yes. there isn't thinking like you want to think about the days of when you were a child again, like, man, if I could have started over, I would have done this, you know? Right. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's what my take was. No, that's actually, that's, that's a really interesting take because I can see that. Um, and, and my experience with it was mostly me thinking about where I guess where I live or grew up, like those games were oftentimes kind of the difference between you being in the crowd or like in the in crowd or being like a, a person I want to play with or like where you ostracized, where you, you know, totally put aside because you either weren't picked, right? Like for the, the team, I can't pick you. You're too short to play basketball on our team. You're never <laughs> going to get picked for kickball first. You're yeah. never like, you can't double Dutch with us. You don't know how to jump. You're always going to lose. And though, and, and there was a moment of the show where like that became a thing, right? Like the teams, oh gosh. How, and then forming like, this is my crew. Like this is my, my, we're all going to be a team, but then even pairs and how are you looking for like it's the hunting and pecking for who's the strongest who's the smartest who can help me win and versus you know and i feel like we start that as kids but i didn't even think about the fact that like we're already doing that as kids when there yeah there's no yeah our personalities are set oftentimes by that by those experiences whether we were the picker or you know the hunter or the person who was ostracized because we weren't picked and then even on top of that, it made me think of like the very nature of nursery rhymes and how a lot of them are like a lot darker than how we yeah. perceive them just because they sound all cutesy, right? And I feel like it's the same thing with these games, like the very introduction, they introduce you to a game in which the premise is like, if you lose, you die. Yeah. Right? And I was just like, oh yeah, we totally had games like this. Like, you know, yeah. we're the dodgeball is like, you're out and you're like, for some kids, if you changed up the rules and you'd be super dramatic about it and be like, you're dead, you know what I mean? It's just like, we actually play these games and people play like cops and robbers or like cowboy and Indian. It's yeah. like all of these games where there's a winning side and a losing side and like the losing side is losing hardcore. Um, for yeah. me though, it was also just seeing parallels in how things function and work in the real world. I was like, the, the reality is wealthy people are just taking advantage of people who are in debt um, and yeah. making them sign up for like the lottery. It, a lot of it- um, Also like, like, think about this too, you know, the more wealthy take advantage of those who can make them stronger, but you're yeah. still disposable, you know, yeah. once they get what they need. Yeah. Because like, remember That's that crew, the, v, so, the VIPs, 
they were all gambling on each of those really? players. And yeah, they're like, yeah, I celebrate that player. I celebrate that player. That player is really strong. They're going to get me more money. But at the end, when they die, they're like, oh, that sucks. I thought I had it this time. You know, it was a kind of like a disposable nature of like, it doesn't matter what your worth is in the gameplay, that you're still disposable. Yeah. And weren't you worth more dead than alive, really? Because the families received without giving too much weight, but you were worth more dead than alive, right? I thought you were like real world. You're worth more dead than alive because your organs can be donated to people <laughs> who need them. <laughs> That, that too, that's an undertone. I was like, okay. I feel like a dark undertone of the movie that nobody wanted to talk about. But, um, you know, that is a big part of the, like, some of the Asian, like, underground, the black market of so many, you know, citizens dying where they don't have family, no one cares. And they're like, oh, we can take this body and make some money. Yeah, my my whole I I have a dumb conspiracy where it's like you know when you put the little check mark on your ID saying like oh yeah I can be an ogre uh, 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 organ ogre I'm an ogre <laughs> yeah, I'm a total ogre <laughs> I I can be an organ donor right and you're like and when you're 18 and you put it on your ID you're like oh yes I will do a service to the world you know what if I die one day and you're not really thinking about it my my conspiracy theory is like once you put that on there like you're on a bounty somewhere right. like someone's after you like you have a mer- <laughs> someone's after you to like purposely kill you be like ah oh, yes young body the organs are young we can still use them you know how much hearts cost like hundred thousands of dollars yeah that was my conspiracy yeah. I, I i feared that too i took it off at a certain age myself it was like i watched a movie i think it was hidden colors or something i was like after that nope i won't be i won't be um an organ donor anymore it just the conspiracy i couldn't get it that one out of my head oh yeah i i was thinking like i kind of want it more discreet like you know i'll put in my will but i don't want to put it in like on id where it's like if you show a cop and the cops like hmm i'm actually part of this black market scam right. <laughs> you know what i mean right exactly <laughs> Oh my gosh. I'm actually yeah. shook I'm right so- now. I'm so shook. <laughs> yeah, I'm shook Yo! too. <laughs> Where did this episode go? Happy Sunday morning, y'all. Uh, it is spooky season. We're here. We're spooktastic. It's great. And now we're spooked because now our organs are on, on the line. <laughs> it's going to be Repo the Genetic Opera. opera. I'm going to have Anthony Head like sing at me before my organs get taken. Ogre, ogre. Can, why can't I say organs ogre. right? Organs. You know what would be great crack ship if like Shrek became the superhero of that situation? He's like, stop you there. Do not take this person's organs. <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, that would be some twisted stuff. Poor Shrek has just been bastardized through all these memes, like... <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well I guess I should talk about my week for a little bit. Um, yes. yes please. So some <laughs> some interesting things. Um, so the day where I was supposed to be planning with you guys, it was... It turns out that I was summoned to play trombone across town. Um, Shout out to Robbie Benson from Super Soul Bros. That guy is a, I don't know how to say this. 
he is the most insane, sane person I know. Like, <laughs> he will do these things that make zero sense. And, but at the same time, it turns out to make sense. And so like, he's like, hey, um, I'm playing at Taco Bravo. Now, granted, Taco Bravo is not Mexican food. It's Mexican imitation food. Like, <laughs> oh. like it's not, it's just like, if you go to a Taco Bell, but lower tier, like that's what Taco Bravo is. Oh. Um, yeah, that's been <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> <laughs> it's a staple in the community of Campbell, uh, San Jose, folks who've lived in San Jose their whole lives. Like, and I mean, people who are like lived in San Jose. I'm not talking about these tech folks. I'm talking about San Jose folks. So Robbie Benson, organ player, piano player, like that guy can speak and sing with his fingers on the keys. Like this guy is fluent has studied with like Frank Zappa, has traveled the world doing what he does. He has gotten into the nerd scene with playing piano and is with Super Soul Bros and and um, can do everything if not ever, like everything on the keys, everything. Like he's a genius when it comes to that. And so you would think like someone who's traveled the world, done MAGFest, done these big stages for the jazz festivals. He's like, my goal stream is to perform at Taco Bravo. <laughs> oh God, like, you know what? So when he, he hits me up, he's like, hey, bring your horn if you're gonna come through. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, okay. And so I'm like, okay, I'm in on the joke. Like I brought my bass trombone. Like, so if I'm gonna bring my instrument, of course I'm gonna bring the one that produces the <laughs> loudest brown note at a place that will give you subsequent brown notes. The loudest brown note! <laughs> Even the bathroom was locked up at Taco Bravo. They said no mercy to the people who stay. They said you, get your food, you fucking leave. We don't want to deal with your fucking noise and the drama that you're going to be going through with your gut. Like, we don't care. We don't care. Oh my god. We do not Taco care. Bravo, we are so sorry. We are. <laughs> So um, I get there and like, I expected Robbie to have like a set list or something. Typical musician, no, he doesn't. I show up and I'm like, hey, Robbie, what are we playing? And I thought he was gonna say like, oh, we're gonna play Super Soul Bro stuff. Oh, we're gonna play stuff off of my original album. Oh, like I thought he was gonna give me a lineup of things of what he was gonna play. And he just looks at me straight in the eyes and he goes, he goes, we're playing music. <laughs> and I'm like, but what are we playing? Like, when do I come in? He goes. I don't know. We're playing music. Like, jam session, baby. Get like, with it. Jam session? And then so once I'm getting my instrument out, he goes, oh, better yet be, just as a heads up, we're, this is going to be recorded. This is going to be live. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Oh, right. <laughs> All the things that Veronica does not like. <laughs> is this planned? No. Is, is there organization? No. <laughs> no. Are you live on the fly? Why, yes. But like I said, it? Oh, no. Oh, no. no. <laughs> so 
I'm like, okay. And like knowing Robbie, I'm like, I gotta go with the flow. Like this is how he works. I gotta go with the flow. And so trust my improvisation chops are not the most tier thing. Like I will admit that I've gotten severely rusty. I had potential for growth and I said, I'm gonna drop the dumbbells and be sad for a little bit. I'm in my recalibration stage of loving music again. And so, uh, <laughs> we're playing music. We play things from his like album, um, Chill Beats to File Your Taxes To, which is a really good album. Um, and we also uh, played some, just some random stuff. Like we played a couple of Herbie Han- Hancock tunes. We played um, the Flintstones. We jammed on the Flintstones. Um, and he, you know, he, he did this like goofing off session where he like switches his instrument, he brings out his guitar. So it was a good time, but the Taco Bravo crew was just like the people who showed up, they appreciated the music, first of all. And also the management was like, so down to have us there, but like being in that, in that presence, first of all, I didn't order any food because I also didn't want to give myself a time at like 12 a.m. in the bathroom like that's one thing second and i also didn't want to need to take like a john witherspoon type of shit in the middle of the street you all know that scene from friday where he's like i got my burrito we know that scene um, so i didn't want to put myself through that but the amount of oil that was in the air got into my hair got onto like my skin and like luckily i just masked up like when i got home because i'm like wow this place has been here for so long that even the flavors are in the air and like i i need to be out of here and also like when i told robbie i'm like hey i'm gonna go next door to get some coffee and he's like oh can i get some tap water or not tap water ice water i'm like what's wrong with the ice water at taco bravo robbie what's wrong with the ice water at taco bravo taco bravo <laughs> I'm looking oh my at, God. like looking at the just images of it and I'm like, ooh, as you're talking about, about this, I'm like building this in my head. <laughs> so, the um, images, the shopping center, everything. Like I'm here for the image of this. Yeah. It's 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 definitely it's definitely a thing. So um yeah, so after the whole event, I had a great time. A lot of the Mag West family was there, which was great. So it was good to see Ben and Scott and Jessica. Like, it was really cool to see those those folks. Um, and then I guess my last my last little like sprinkle of joy is that because of the of the part of the comedy of all this is that once I got home, I'm like, wow, I actually really had a good time. I had an amazing time. And mm-hmm. I left a maybe Taco Bravo's first five-star review on Yelp. And I posted <laughs> pictures of the event on the Yelp page. So I hope by doing that, I mean, this is probably an extension of my hope, but I hope who, whatever management runs that chain gives those employees a raise. <laughs> like, they deserve it. It's already like a dark place as it is. <laughs> And I feel like everyone had a good time and that operations went smoothly, aside from the locked bathroom. Yeah. So yeah, more happened to my week, by the way, but I think that was just the main highlight. That's all I'm going to say. Huzzah, huzzah. Yes, so you'll be terrible singing. singing and trombone playing soon uh, once Robbie releases the live recordings of that. Um, and then there's also, singing too. Oh, yeah, there's a little bit of singing. I was fooling around, um, but uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I had a good time. So for those who know, don't know Robbie Benson, follow Robbie Benson at Gwobs, G-W-O-B-S. Um, most platforms you'll find him or even look up Super Soul Bros. Um, very popular, very notable across the country about the the funky soulness that they bring to video game music. So it's great. Um, the, that band is very close to my heart as well. Um, so they're great people. Speaking of shout outs, uh, so before we go to the next thing is I do want to shout out a couple of those who've been listening to us and have given us their graces of good energy. So shout out to Cam3 from Wreck the System family here, like fam of the show, like fam as an F-A-M, M as in mouse. <laughs> um, it was great to see that he consistently listens on SoundCloud and it's just really cool. So like we've shouted out Wreck the System before, but you know, for those who don't know the group, look them up, Wreck the System on all platforms, WTS on some platforms. Uh, they are also doing a um, campaign right now to get an award. Um, I can't remember what it is at Paris. It's if you can to like open at the Hollywood Bowl. That's right. Nice. That's right. So nice, keep nice, voting nice. for them if the voting is still there. I'm not sure if the voting has concluded, but if it hasn't, look them up, vote them one free vote per day. It's great. And then lastly, there was a comment from Michael P. Beast off YouTube. He says he loved the show. He really appreciates the conversations. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all the nice juju that we're receiving from those who are listening to the show. It makes us feel good and validated. And I hope you guys feel good and validated by listening to these conversations. Thank you. Um, so yeah, um, let's go ahead and just like celebrating us let's celebrate our community and so i just want to have kylie kind of take it away here who are we celebrating what are we doing who are we what's happening <laughs> we're on the celebrate um, so celebrating no go ahead sorry sorry i was no babe i know we're in the celebrating us section. <laughs> she's, like, she's like no we're in the celebrating us section so um what i really wanted to talk about in celebrating us is uh, really talking about the multifaceted, how multifaceted the Black community is, and um, just how there is no one model for Blackness, right? Um, we can see it here, even just between the three of us, that we live very different um, like lives and we're very different people. We come from very different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we had kind of chosen this topic because we were talking about artists like Lizzo um, and how, you know, on the one hand, you know, she is like so uplifting for her community. She, you know, she will say like, yeah, I'm a rich bitch, but in the same sentence, we'll turn around and be like, and I'm a philanthropist. Um, and people really only want her to be one thing, one way, one type. They'll be like, oh, I really love Lizzo, but I wish she wouldn't wear that. Or I, I really love Lizzo, or I wish she wouldn't talk like this, or I wish she would be more elevated all the time, or um, there you have it from the opposite side too, or they're just like, oh, like, I wish you would, you know, just stick to this and not bring this into it because this doesn't have anything really to do with, with this. And, um, sounds like I need you to fit my jigsaw puzzle here of yeah. how I perceive the world. I don't of need you to I be any different way. Blackness. And it's just like, 
you can be educated, but also just speak how you normally speak. Um, and you can be, you know, elevated and also be a little ratchet. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're just kind of like talking about how people become uncomfortable when Black people start expressing that they are whole rounded individuals with multiple backgrounds. You know, we all come from different places, different spaces. Um, so I was talking specifically kind of like from my background where like both of my parents were addicts. You know, I grew up homeless for a lot of my childhood and I would constantly hear like from people that like, oh, I didn't sound black or they wouldn't believe me when I would like tell them bits and pieces about my background or bits and pieces of how I grew up. And they were just like, oh, no way. Like I never would have guessed. And like this stigma or this idea that like, if you're from the projects or you you're from the hood, like you don't read or Mm -hmm. that you, you wouldn't know um, about art or philosophy or, you know, any of these things that people are associating with um, like higher class, which again, is like, why wouldn't you also associate blackness with higher class and blackness with money and blackness with wealth mm-hmm. and blackness with intelligence um, and blackness with health. So there's just uh, all of these like stigmas and things that we were kind of um, talking about. So I don't know if you guys have any, any takes on that and what it means for you personally to be a multi-dimensional black person yeah I mean I feel like I deal with this on a daily basis very similar to a lot of the things you said Kylie about the construct or the stigma attached to the black experience and and then even sort of separately to the African-American experience versus the sort of black diaspora experience and that we are not just African-American that we are Caribbean we are we are from the we are continental we are indigenous we are you know all this different um um, and the fact that I think I've struggled with that a lot because my parents too were um, are both from uh, poverty. They both came up in the inner city of Washington D.C. during a time of a lot of struggle. Um, they were, you know, products of of homes that were uh, multiple kids, but they both had two parent homes. They both lived in homes um, in the inner city. Um, and I think because of that, both of my sets of grandparents went to really, I guess, affluent uh, churches. And they, you know, I think the idea around like trying to get, having those communities merge. And I feel like my, my dad would always say my dad's sort of in between 10 years younger than his, his uh, oldest brother and then 10 years older than his younger sister. And sort of right in that middle where like you're an only child for a long period of time and how he really always felt like he had imposter syndrome among like in his own like in in that space in the church because it's like I didn't this is not my experience like I'm on the streets I don't know anything about you know this this didn't really identify with being a part of this like affluent well-known church community and I think it somehow I feel like rubbed off on my identity a little bit of just my dad being an overachiever um and you know the word might be like first generation like by you know first generation like college attendee first generation like my dad kind of blew all of those things out of the water and so because of that I feel like there was a lot of pressure but even with that it's the idea around like what you're designed to do 
um, and that despite sort of all of the the things that he was doing, he was sort of doing that despite the stigma that it was attached that, well, you're probably, you know, my grandparents were like, or my grandmother was like, you don't need to pay for college. You're probably going to go to jail or die before you need to even have, I mean, that your own mother kind of harbors those kind of identities around, well, there, you know, this is how you live and this, where we live is just a situation of where we live. Right? You know, the oldest child is going to have their college paid for the youngest child, but you, you're just not going to make it through. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of situational, um, you know, experience that we're in. And so I think that has definitely, that stigma has changed what it means to be, right, sort of connect to the community. And I think I've had this conversation and, and Kylie, we talked about this a little bit, but like friends who were like, yeah, you, the Tupac uh, theory around like, not just Lizzo, but so many of, of, of our, of our brothers and sisters of being attached to like, you have to be very, you know, one dimensional in order to make an impact that you can't showcase that you have this multiple, um, multi-dimensional aspect to yourself. And there's a hierarchy often attached to that. It's like, oh, if you twerk, you are probably ghetto. If you do this, you're probably this, right? And so um, it's being able to really, how do we transform the, the, ideology around like why is that even associated with that when this is a, a a dance that comes from Africa that that you should be able to celebrate and and you're much more likely to find people who don't even know the history of the dance who were like critiquing it so it's like why do you you know instead is it the person who's doing the twerking that's bothering you or is it the fact that you just don't understand or you've not taken the time to do your homework on it well, you just so, yeah. jealous because you ain't got no booty. Or jealous. That number one is the is the number one thing. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You can't capitalize on this. Is that why it upsets you right now? Don't worry. In five years, you will be doing viral TikToks, and then suddenly have that paycheck that you have appropriated from Black people. Yeah. Uh, that is it. Yeah. Harambe. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. Stop it, you. Stop it. Yes, if I can't, if I cannot take advantage of a situation, I'm going to look at it negatively. What is that? Yeah, no, that's, that's right on the head. Like, I feel, you know, and that's why a lot of us in the community have been doing things like, you know, protesting TikTok, protesting Twitch, mm-hmm. protesting um, other platforms that, you know, that don't necessarily give the credit where the credit is due but will copy it to make their own gains from it and that's something that i have noticed a lot like you know where all these you know for example even like in hip-hop like a lot of white rappers coming through with their own styles which is fine like i'm glad that they appreciate the art but think about how rap and hip-hop was just so not appreciated when it first came out because people didn't want to understand it they didn't want to understand it because there was no way to capitalize on it. Like that's, and now it's cool and like edgy and all that stuff. And now, but it's also because people can make money from it now. Mm -hmm. Um, 
or take advantage of making money for it and then not credit where they get the influence from. Like people are like, oh, I'm one and original. Like, no, you sound like G unit. No, you sound like the game. No, you sound like, you know, you sound like so-and-so from this label back in like whatever year, 1990, whatever. No, you yeah. sound like Fife Dog. Like, you know, it's just like, it's not original. Like it's like jazz, right? Yeah. Like if you, if you're playing jazz, there is a style that you emulate based off of who you've idolized when listening to these things. And so there's a bit of a style that you can hear, yeah. right? And so yeah. it's like, you can hear it, especially for those who are like musically inclined. Um, yeah. But it's like, it's not just you. Like, yeah, you can morph it into something that's a little bit more individualistic, but at the same time, you know where you got that foundation from. Like, don't, don't, do not forget. <laughs> um, yeah. Do not. And it's that I like that you said that because it takes me back to like Lupe with the whole Tribe Called Quest fiasco where it was like he said, you know, listen, I didn't know just because of the music I make now is not influenced as much by the people that you think I should have this this black hip hop experience because that's you didn't have tribe and native tongues that was like no I had UGK and I had like he listened to a lot more like Texas hip hop a lot more street stuff and that wasn't his experience he's like I grew up in Chicago I wanted to hear those tales about drug dealers and that kind of thing and the juxtaposition about like where everybody has to you, you can either do one or the other. You have to have, and it's like, you don't have those people who are like, I did this plus, but I may have identified with this just because my, my what I'm, I'm showcasing or presenting to you is closer to Q-tip or NOS doesn't mean that I wasn't a fan of this other stuff. Absolutely. Man, the amount of folks who do, you can tell that they get a little bit of their flavor from NOS. Like I hear it a lot. Mm-hmm. And, and like- Prolific. We just, yeah and let's celebrate nas like i mean nas is celebrated but it's also at the same time like don't pretend like it's just you like you know it's that saying like you know all my friends or whoever's in my environment makes the person that i am Mm -hmm. and so like you know don't don't forget like where your influences come from that make you the person that you are um if you guys don't mind me sharing my experience um Please. please i I like how you guys talked about your backgrounds and where you came from. I come from maybe like two and a half generations separated from the South, meaning that my grandparents or my great grandparents came from, you know, Southern states where it was the most recently segregated. Um, And also with going through all of the lynchings that were still very prominent in maybe like the sixties and the fifties. Um, And then, like, you know, my family had to go from there to, you know, California to try to find a new way of living, but still with the implications of being Black in America. Um, And, yeah, I... I mean, oh my God, I'm going to do the meme. It's like the meme is like, every light-skinned girl is always going to let you know that you're Uh, (laughs) light-skinned. But, like, the thing is, like, I was raised by my Black family, And I was also raised by my brother and sister's father's family and they are all black. Um, And we've done the the family reunions in the park, you know, barbecuing, going to Baptist churches. I've done all of that. Um, But also like the implication of being half black where my mother is black, 
there was still this experience that I received that I wasn't allowed to embrace my Blackness fully. And so there was a lot of rejection because of the way that I looked. Um, I'm not saying the family rejected me, they all love me and all that stuff, but it's always like the white child, the white child, the white child. And like, that was the thing that like, you know, makes my identity like very, I'm not gonna say convoluted, but it was very confusing when I was like growing up. And so, um, but yeah, like going from that, I had a lot of black influence growing up, but also at the same time, like in high school, like I got into different things where I really loved anime. I really loved video games. I started playing trombone, which is not a thing that most people do in black families. They always celebrate the singer. They always celebrate the um, maybe like the male brass musician. But when you have a female or woman on this instrument, like it's a little bit of a different take. Um, And then also with the fact that like, I don't, I gotten the stigma from my friends being like, well, you don't sound black. You don't sound like this. Um, but how are you like, you know, I don't think you're really black. And I got in a lot of those comments in like high school, um, which may again, really messed with my identity because I'm like, who am I, you know? Um, and so expanding from that, I also noticed that like with trying to manifest my own individualism, that people had this expectation of, they would call out and consider me like more of an entertainer overtaking me seriously. And like, it's kind of like, you know, you see Eddie Murphy and the first thing that you do is laugh, right? Because it's Eddie Murphy. He is a comedian, right? But when am, when am I able to have the agency of like, you can just come to me and not have to laugh at me first, expecting something funny from me. And I also feel like that there is a, a, a part of being black where people expect you to be funny, like an entertainer versus being approached as a person. And so that's where I was getting a little bit messed up because also a lot of this happened in college where it's like, I have funny jokes. It's fine to have funny jokes. My white friends have funny jokes. My Mexican friends have funny jokes. We all have funny jokes, but it's like, when are you going to come at me serious when I have a paper like that I need to turn in? And then you go like, oh, well, you never take this serious. I'm like, no, I do. I do. Like, let's give me, give me that dichotomy of that. I can be funny and like a cool friend and all that stuff, but also give me that. I am also a scholar that I'm also in academia. Like I also went into college and I also took a higher learning when I want to be given that. And, but I was, that was never my identity. Like my identity was funny, the party animal. I was more embraced of being like having an edge versus like not being embraced for actually taking the actions to, to be in college or to even be admitted. It was like to completely dismissed. And so um, it's just, it kind of reminds me of like, like, you know, with like Rihanna or, you know, cupcake where people love their edge but when are people going to come at them with like, no, you're actually a serious businesswoman, you know? And I think like, you know, not to use her, her as too much of an example, but like, you know, Cupcake, for example, has gone through it where she has have a, she has a lot of emotions and she's expressed them on social media and she wants to be taken more serious. But sometimes um, people expect her to be so hard all the time that they don't give her the agency to have a soft spot. And so I think that's where she was kind of coming from when she was having a lot of emotional um, 
I guess, block, not blocks, but um, like just a lot of like problems that she's expressing where she needs to be cared about instead of expected to deliver all the time. And so, and that's how I kind of felt on like a smaller scale where people expected me to deliver to their entertainment a lot, but not necessarily deliver in a way where I was taking like where I can take a st- like a stand and be able to preach about something and be considered serious. Like, you know, and so that's where I kind of have like my individualism because I have a lot of good things to say, like much like you guys have a lot of good things to say. Um, but I had to take myself away from folks to give myself to replatformize myself. So that way I can manifest my own individual identity away from the jigsaws that they were trying to put me in. And so yeah. that's kind of like where my experience comes from. Um, and, and also and super commendable. So yeah. Proud of, I'm, like, I'm so proud of you. and like so proud of your growth and everything, because I feel like a lot of the time, what happens when you start um, like enforcing those boundaries or start speaking up for yourself is like, now you become like difficult to work with when you've stopped playing yeah. the role of like the clown or the role of whatever oh, yeah. they expect okay. you to be. And when mm-hmm. you want to be taken a little more seriously and like have people recognize the nuances of your character, well, now you're difficult. Now you're not, you know, yep. someone who's easy to work with. Yes. Like, How oh, you're you- not being the funny person anymore. What happened? I'm like, yeah. no, I need to actually have you sit down and focus on like what we're trying to accomplish together instead of you thinking I'm going to make a bunch of, ju- du- bunch of dumb jokes. And then, you know, once we move on to the real thing that you're not going to give me any credit because you're going to perceive me as not taking whatever we're doing serious. And that's, okay. and that's the thing that drives me the most insane. Um, yeah, and it's the same thing with our Black men, right? The Black men in our, in our community that they... I mean, it's already shown in like the systemic pipeline of like school to prison, being oppressed on a daily basis, being attacked by people on a daily basis, being assumed that they are up to no good all the time and that we have to embrace the fact that blackness is more dynamic than that. Um, Yeah. Malibu's Most Wanted like encapsulates that (laughs) so well. That scene with Hey Diggs when he's just like, doing the practice like I'm Juilliard trained actor and the role they want to give him is like thug number two and he's like practicing how to turn around and say biatch you know what I mean he's like it so I totally get that and I was like this is the reality like all of these actors who um are consistently just being you know corralled into like certain roles which it's been getting better um, as we progress through time, as we get more and more representation, because representation matters um, yes. out there in the media. I think, uh, yeah, but like that is so funny. <laughs> I mean, right? Like, like it just takes where, yeah, that's the reality. It is reality. It is the reality. Yeah, you're a Juilliard trained actor, and this is what they want you to do with your right. skills. Like, really? Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's so sad. It's like we've been um, just people overall have been conditioned, but sometimes even as people of color, we've been like just auditioned our entire lives too. I think that is something that happens too, to be like auditioned on your blackness. Like, oh, do you know this? And I mean, this happens a lot of nerd culture too, where it's like, oh, you watch anime, give me your top five, you know, or you listen to hip hop. Do you know about, you know, that, that auditioning or sort of being able to navigate how down where hip, you know, how, how uh, well-versed you are in something 
is also, and people look at that based on how you talk and that Kylie, when you saying that earlier about like, do you talk white? I've heard that my entire life. Uh, <laughs> and, and it has become, I feel like part of just the experience of kind of what makes me me now because you know talk about those things in childhood that happen all the time that I have often spent my life like trying to shield that or or yield to that stereotype to be like oh but I can also whip your ass with this talk white and whip ass white too (laughs) I think that was the the thing I felt like I always had to do and and if that wasn't given to me I probably wouldn't have had that kind of you know, just kind of overt um, need to sort of redeem my blackness in that moment. But the auditioning, that drives me nuts. What do you guys do to, how do you feel about that when people are like quizzing you on your, your hipness to something? Um, you know, that's actually a great question. Um, <laughs> I, Often, a lot of the times, I am actually the first person to tell to say, like, you know, this is what I appreciate. These are like my top three, um, and and also I've been watching it since the, whatever tsunami days or whatever days like that. I will reference my knowledge, but I'm not going to go too in depth and be like a freaking neckbeard about it. Like I just <laughs> like you know, in the great words of uh, Neo X from Matt Mania, I'm like, there's no fedoras here. <laughs> like, or he's like, I'm going to tip my fedora. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to put on my fedora to satisfy your valid your your questioning here because I'm not here to be questioned. I'm here to appreciate. I'm here to appreciate what I'm into and to celebrate that, but I'm not here to try to prove my, my knowledge behind something that should be just like something that we all should come in solidarity about. Like, yeah, I'm not about that. And typically when I say like, Oh, like my favorite anime is Trigon or like, I really liked the cell saga from Dragon Ball Z, which are all kind of like mainstreamy things, but that was also what was given to me as a kid and where my appreciation started. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, when someone's like, oh, you didn't watch Akira. I'm like, I watched Akira. It's not my top five, but I can see how people appreciate it. And like where it comes from in society, where it was like kind of like the weirdness of like inner city, like um, inner city, not what's the word I'm looking for. It's kind of like, I'm going to call it inner city darkness. I'll find a different word a little bit later, but like, um, but my whole point is it's like, I mean, like, yeah, when people are trying to quiz me and try to say, like, but are you really in there? Like, I'm like, dude, get your, go brush your teeth. Get, leave me alone. Like, right. <laughs> like, like, tell me what was, you know, this uh, trombone line in 1964 recorded by, like, what? Um, oh, my God. The jazz heads are so bad with it, too. Oh, God. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I love jazz and I love jazz music. But, like, when people are just being like, you know, you do a lot better with those lines if you listen to, if you listen to Miles, you know, maybe a little bit of, you know, more Chick Corea. And I'm like, mm, yeah, can you go brush your teeth? <laughs> like, leave me alone. Like, I will come to you if I need a lesson. But right now I'm just, I'm at this bar sipping on this whiskey right now. I don't need you coming at me with all that noise. I'm already listening to that wonderful yeah. noise up there. Leave me alone. <laughs> that is it. Um, I feel like people don't really come at me like that anymore very often. Um, anymore mostly, is the key word here, Kylie. Anymore. Yeah, anymore. Yeah, but like the things that, 
Yes. Anymore. You get the lecture. <laughs> um, but I used to be kind of like a terrible troll. Where I would just be like, oh, yeah, well, have you read blah, 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 blah? I'd just be making shit up. Just And just to see how many of them were actually like, oh, yeah, like I told you that, like, do the same thing with bands, you know, because like I really love music and I love bands and I love like alternative 90s. And for me, because a lot of uh, that influence like literally came from my childhood and like listening to things on the radio. Like there were a lot of times where I didn't really like know the names of people who were involved, but I knew all the lyrics, the songs, or like I would know a whole group, but not know the individuals. Like I wouldn't know the history of their drummer. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is really bad when people like start getting into like rock and stuff. And they're like, Oh, well, do you really know blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, yeah, I could name you, you know, 10, 11, 12 songs by this group, but I may not be able to tell you all the individual like band members and like what their whole history was, but it's just like, what you know about ACDC? What about like, literally, Young? <laughs> why do you care? Like, it's not why? just a band shirt. It's not, <laughs> Not just a band shirt. It's like, also, like, why do you care? If people are here supporting and, like, enjoying themselves, you know, why are you trying to sap their joy? Why? Please, mm-hmm. folks, stop the auditioning people, as Kylie said. Otherwise, you get people who are not even authentic who are going to turn around and go, well, like, when a practicing biatch, you know, you're going to have, it's just not your, whatever your lens is for things of the experience, especially as a Black experience, like, that we're all so diverse in this diaspora. None of us have the same experience, even when you think you do. Check your your bias. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, um, I don't know. I, like, I just think about all of these, like, incredible people out there who just have, like, wonderfully different aspects to themselves. You know, it's like, uh, I just discovered LeVon White and he's like a classical pianist, but he's also like a bodybuilder. And he's he's also just like a sweet black man who like also teaches music and like also teaches about like finances. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just like, there's so many different things and so many different components. And it's like, I love finding people like that where you just be like, oh yes, I'm a chef, but I'm also like an MC or like, uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like all these different mixes. And it's just like, Every single person is an individual and approaches as such. We are people. We yeah. are everyday people. Let us live. Let us live. <laughs> right? Stop challenging the notions of, of Blackness. And yes, quizzing, auditioning, asking people to f- figure out their code switching. Like I, That's the number one thing. I'm sure you ladies get that too, but... The idea oh yeah, I switched like another. That my life is like code switching. Like you can talk to me like how you really would talk. Well, this is how I really talk. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> girl, like trust. There is the cultural implications of us growing up black. Like there is like things that are common, right? right. Like how how we talk and how we express our words and what our what our regular. Oh my god, I'm even code switching right now. What our regular vernacular is, <laughs> but. <laughs> Like that, that's also what comes in solidarity of our culture, right? Like, like there are things that are rightfully like as a pattern in, in our community. And it's also to express solidarity between one another. Um, But it's also to show like, we all grew up from very similar crops, but not, not all the same. You know what I mean? Because of also what society has been pressuring us with. It's kind of like the opposite. It's like, oh, you guys have to be like this. I'm like, oh, we'll come at you one way. But remember, we expand into different areas. Like, 
do not forget that. Do not throw us in the water thinking we cannot spread. Like, come on. <laughs> like, for real. Um, uh, yeah, no, this is a great, great topic, guys. Like, I really appreciated this. Um, a last word about dynamic Blackness. And this is something that, you know, society thinks that Black men are not allowed to embrace their emotions and embrace, like, what they're feeling or how they perceive the world. Um, what folks call sensitive, you know? Um, and Emotions? feelings right so i want to quickly give a um shout out not even a shout out i want to call attention to a friend of mine that just recently passed away um wonderful soul wise beyond his years the way that he would write and express lyrics on stage um it's never going to be forgotten uh he was a local artist from sacramento performed in uh, Las Vegas. His name's Rasar. Um, and the way that he was so dynamic was he was black man in pattern of what they expect from us, loved the NBA, uh, loved hip hop, but beyond his, beyond that, what people may have considered like a typical thing is also, he was just a beautiful soul. Like, he was, he was like very like shy, didn't like to be in the spotlight, very into his self, like into his like mind and how he wanted to get all the things that would bother him in his mind into his songwriting. Um, and, you know, from rapping about workplace dilemmas to uh, rapping about Billie Holiday and rapping about the pain that he was experiencing on a daily basis. Like these are things that I want to honor in his memory um, of knowing him um, because his music touched me in a way where um, I was also going through a, a, like a little emotional crisis without him even knowing. And that's how he's touched a lot of people um, in that way. And um you know, I want to give love to his first and foremost, his, his band, The Leak. Um, I know they're going through um, a grieving time right now. Um, and then also to shed, to send love to his family, his mom and dad, who I've met in concerts before, and they've been there and supported everything that he's done. So, um, yeah, he's had a long history of working with artists like, you know, Butterscotch had a different alias for a long time and then switched to being called Rasar. And so, um, yeah. And the way that he embraced loving people in his lyrics, like I am love, I am joy. Um, oh my gosh. I'm, I am love. I am peace. I am joy. Like the, those lyrics in general, that was like my favorite song for the longest time. Cause it remembered like, Hip hop doesn't have to be edgy and gritty and vulgar. Like he embraced it where it's like, it's beautiful. It's poetry. It's, it's something that you can like bond your community with. And so like, that's something that I wanted to bring attention to in celebrating his blackness and celebrating him as a whole being um, because of the fact that like sometimes black men are jigsawed into this thing where they expect him to be rugged, edgy, basically my name is Dolomite head ass type of people, you know, and that's not what we are. And that's not what black men, black men don't need to be that. Um, and they're not required to be that. And so, um, yeah, so I just want to say, you know, rest easy to the rest easy, Rasar, like you are loved. Um, 
and hopefully we can see ourselves with you again in another life. Um, because yeah, it was, it's tragic and sudden, um, but the best we can do right now is just celebrate who he is. Um, so um, for those who want to listen to the music, I definitely recommend looking up the leak, um, which is the, and then L-I-Q-U-E, um, look up both of their albums, Democracy Manifest, and um, Times, and something about Times, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they did do a recent one where I Am, I Am is their, their leading single on that. So yes, we'll have more descriptions and we'll have a better description in the comments section below uh, for those who are listening. Well, All right, also, um, go ahead. Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, so if any of you are out there struggling or if any of you would just um, like to have a source for some, you know, great information, uh, please check out the National Alliance on Mental Illness, NAMI. There, it's a .org and they, they give you everything. You know what I mean? You can go to their site and they break it down for you. Um, just resources upon resources upon resources, nonprofits, they're here for you. We are all here for you. And like, no matter what you're feeling, um, just know that there, there are people that you have touched whose lives are better because you are alive. Yeah. Um, and so it's okay to call someone and it's okay to reach out and it's okay to take a break um, when you feel like things are just too much. So please take care of yourselves um, and reach out to someone like you matter to people more than you know it's true mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree thank you kylie for that thank you for bringing up those resources because it's always important to remember to reach out um i um yeah it's very important when 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 if you're feeling like you're you're in a place you're in a dark spot find find those that you know who love you and like you know just call them up send them a text do what you can. And even if they don't respond right away, just remember that you, you sent it out and set and you will get their response soon. Um, all right. So um, let's go ahead and go into nerdy and dirty, which by the way, nerdy and dirty, you guys, hmm, not dirty, really. It's just talking about, you know, implications of TikTok. Can you tell me about this? Like what's going on? <laughs> so we we're talking more about like body positivity and body shaming and specifically looking at like sizing um because prowess had brought this up about different trends on tiktok so i'm gonna let prowess take this away um and then i will give you just the generalizations of what i've seen um also like with my experiences being a plus size woman and shopping online and like seeing ads through instagram and like seeing all of these like places where like they'll hate they'll have like their stores storefront and it'll be like oh larger sizes online where it's like clearly like you don't want my larger body shopping in your place like and then when i go online your sizes are not even actually accurate like that part prowess you're muted we all need to hear your beautiful thoughts oh yes okay i'm sorry so yes um this this topic so this really um kylie got to the to the gist of this which is that if as a creators on tiktok sort of doing all the different types of content but there is not a significant amount of um plus size creators that are amplified 
Um, and that TikTok even like admitted to suppressing some reach of content, not, not necessarily saying that they were suppressing like content that was created from a certain lens, but if it was vulnerable to cyberbullying, which is generally plus size creators, right? So the idea that they're, they're suppressing those influencers assumedly because they're creating content that is going to draw bullying which just seems like but also like y'all can't suppress the bullies y'all cannot suppress the bullies what is with that like hold on the relationship that you have with your content creator should be first um but i think on when hate lives on exactly and um nazinga imani is like a really popular um plus size model she she's an influencer she's done a lot of different um different content she does uh she's really gotten popular now she does her trending dances um and usually in swimsuits and like those were removed from the platform for instance but i thought it was interesting that when you go to like buy um like kylie said a a bathing suit or something that's gone viral because of the clothing hauls and all that kind of thing that are on tiktok you can't find those things in your size and they'll even you know, they won't have a size past like a one, if they even have a one X, they may go up to an extra large. And that the creators, even when they're creating something, if you're just scaling, right, a lot of the like a plus size clothing manufacturers doing these hauls or say, well, yeah, we, we basically go through this size, but they don't change the fabric. So um, some of the, I love some of these clothing hauls cause they'll tell you, well, what they did is they kind of made the fabric here a little, a little thicker for the legging. So as they stretch, they're not as see-through versus like if you're, you know, not, there's not as much stretch in the, the, um, legging you're going to see, you know, see through it. That might not be an implication when you have, um, you know, sizes that are under a size 14, but now you have this other issue. So I thought it was just interesting that as you know these these clothing haul trends are like the number one content consumed on tiktok and yet you know plus size creators are not really able to take advantage of it as much um and that somehow we have to fix fix that with the the are we you know how do we say we're not going to shop in those stores and we're not going to click on those links and actually you know, go and participate. Um, we're not going to support those uh, fashion brands who don't have sizes that extend to a three X at least. <laughs> yeah, and or some who extend to a three X, but they're not really a three X. Yeah, that'd be making me so mad. They're like, oh yeah, we go up to five X. I'm like, well, your five X is a size twenty two. So yeah. junior, junior sizing. Yeah, I so I just went shopping with Kylie at at Ross of month or so ago and mm-hmm. even so my sizes are like you would think like oh i would probably have a slightly like okay time because like my defaults are like extra large right right every extra large is significantly different for every store yep and every section and so when i pick out something that says extra large i have to be like okay, will this fit? Because, because like, if I get a two X, it's either too big, but if I get an extra large or like a one X, it's either too small or too big. And I'm like, what, 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 what am I? And then same thing with pant sizes. Like I'm a size 16, size 16. If I get an 18, 18 is too big. If I get a 14, it's way too small. Some 16s are more snug, like around the wrong parts of my body. 
And like, I have to just be like hyper selective of what I grab because like the sizes don't line up. Like press 16 looks different on different bodies. Like whether if you're taller or shorter, I totally get that. But it's like, where's the consistency of like, you know, I now have to know what my band sizes are. I have to know what my length sizes are. And even with that, sometimes it's still convoluted when you shop online. Like I hate shopping for pants online, which is why I've defaulted to just leggings. Because at least with leggings, if it's an extra large, it will stretch to me instead of me having to like suck it in for them. Like, you know what I mean? That's exactly Well, keeping a, I mean, I, um, I was recently hearing from our sister Shubs that and that's why she keeps the measure, measuring tape nearby because shopping by the measurements. But even with that, to your point about like, oh, it's inconsistent. And so every store you shop in, especially for, I buy a lot of like UK sizing. So like the ASOS and the Boohoo and, you know, the pretty little thing all the way around, around these UK vendors, but those sizing, uh, so sizings are, are not consistent, even with those brands. A river mm-hmm. island looks so different than an ASOS and an ASOS looks so different than a Boohoo. And then I find myself not wanting to really buy anything mm-hmm. unless I'm going to get like two sizes to check everything. Because even then they'll like convert on pretty little thing. They'll have the mo- what the model looks like. And it's like the model, even though she may be wearing something that's plus size, it may, she may be a size 10 or a size, you know, size 10 at the largest. And you're like, Okay, that's going to look very different on a body that, you know, that is a size 14. That has body. (laughs) That body ain't ain't fitting in the size, what the size 10 is giving. So you got to like also diversity and casting for, you know, I know Fashion Nova has tried to like with their curve line, tried to bring in more like women um, influencers to, to be their models because they are actually doing the hauls and, and they're, you know, co- connecting with the with the audience that's going to be buying it. But like, like, get more of those folks, real people. But, like, but yeah. let's not uh, let's not leave out the fellas either, because I know many a big fluffy cuddle bear yeah. uh, who <laughs> still struggles to find. He said, "Cuddle bear, <laughs> fluffy cuddling, fluffy cuddle bear." That's right. It's your season, boys. It's thick boy autumn. Season. Thick boy autumn. Yes. It's now cuffing season. Get the get them fluff on. Oh wait, that was bad. That was bad. That was not my best work. That was not my best work. Redacted. Control Z. Control Z. Retreat. Oh, but yeah, no. Uh you know what I mean? Like um there was a was it was it pretty little things? What was the fashion show that we were talking about? You talked about the Savage Fenty show. Yes. So I talked about the Savage Fenty show um, and how, like, I like the show. I like the representation, but like real world applications. Sometimes I feel like when you get shows like that, where you have bigger bodies, you have things for um, like celebrities like Lizzo and things that like, I feel like they customize them to make them yep. fit a little better. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, I see all these like big boys and they're rocking it. But I wonder how much of that is like actually available to the audience. Because I know for sure, like, I couldn't rock some Savage X Fenty. Like, they're, it's just not available in my size. But um, yeah, I was like, the men out here, they struggling too. 
Yeah. We see you. We see you guys going through it. Um, and it's like for the longest they had big and tall and that was like it. And that was just like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? When that was it. Your choices was like, oh, you can wear an extra long like t-shirt and it'll be one color with like no pattern <laughs> and some like khakis. <laughs> like, yeah. sorry guys tragedy and now um, you can't you got it like the the shirt the other sizes sell out for a shout out to a friend of mine i'm wearing his shirt a humble monarch um but like these shirts this is i think a one x and this shirt was sold out like it took me forever to get i had to get him to like give me a shirt um from his personal stash because one x is gone and like because it's you know it's unisex but all the men want like a, they don't want like a close fit they want like you know a baggier fit so make things in a size that like is inclusive for everyone to have that kind of baggy oversized fit too because if you are you know like kylie said if if you're saying a 5x is a size 22 like that's just not you're not even being consistent across any of the sizing charts like what guide are you using for this <laughs> also i loved what you had said earlier prowess where it was just like yeah you up the size but you didn't actually take into consideration the body that this is going on. So mm -hmm. you didn't change the shape of this at all. You didn't think about how comfortable this was gonna be. Is it gonna cut off now? If I have a fupa, that band yeah. is not gonna be sitting where it was originally sitting. Um, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If I got curves, I got a little butt. If you're a bigger man and you've got like shapely calves or you know what I mean? Like your shoulders yeah. are big, your arms are maybe big around here and they give you just like the, same cut of shirt but in a larger size that's yes. not going to fit on your body right and so it really is the consideration and the messaging like why why can't i get clothes that fit me like come on yes you don't want my money or it's like you want my money but you don't want me in your store you don't want me in your store you don't want me in your storefronts you don't want me in your advertisements um also i think Oh my gosh, it turned into like an angry rant. I thought it was real cute what TikTok tried to do. And I saw this on a reel on Instagram where like you had a girl, I'm a size six, I'm a size 12 to be like 12 is plus size. Oh yeah. yeah and we all know unless you are five foot two or five foot tall, that 12 mm -hmm. is not plus size. And we all know this, like mm -hmm. you are straddling the line where it's like some of these clothes may fit me. I can sometimes squeeze into a size 10. Let's be clear. 16 and up is typically plus size. Yes. And so and like then, they were trying to do this that, thing. Yeah. Yeah. The they were trying to do this pants. thing. Like this is what you would look like in this body. This is what you would look like if you're in this body. And I'm like, you know, that's a damn lie. Like. Exactly. <laughs> and there, and the, the discounting, because I feel like one of my, my favorite uh, plus size models, her name is Leslie Sador. You probably all know her from. She does a lot of the, she does all of like the house of CB. She does a uh, pretty little thing. She does, um, so, so many different brands, but she, um, and skims a bunch of others, but she specifically, what I like is that she also has a body that's like bountiful. So it isn't like, you know, a lot of the times, just because you are 16, if you have, you know, smaller hips and you don't have thighs and those sort of things, right. It's sort of like, yeah, okay. That 16 pant looks one way on a body that's more, you know, athletic, than a body that's actually more curvy, which is, you know, Leslie Sador is probably only about a size 14, I think, but 
she has a curvier body. So she, and she's curvier down below, which is also right. The idea around like showcasing the pear body in this, showcasing an inverted triangle body in this, showcasing an hourglass body in this. Because you want to be able to see what it looks like on like, yeah, okay, you know, that's great that you have this particular fit, but this is going, this dress is going to look totally different on an hourglass team than on an inverted triangle 16. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm, close I shopping. love that we have shapes like this. I'm like, this is how we describe our bodies. We need to change those things. We need to change Good girl, you be looking like an apple. There needs to be a revolution. Keeping the like, doctors away. Yeah. You looking right? like an apple a day. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm what is called the pear shape, right? Which I think is like so racist. It's like, look, I'm not a damn pear. <laughs> girl, you got that dump truck ass. What? You pear shape? <laughs> Booty. Pear. You got hips. Booty. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't can we call it something? I like that. I like the dump truck, or we need to call it the like some other kind of shape. Like, <laughs> think okay. Weird question. Do you think apple bottoms got it right? I no, I never because then I always thought like apples are not like I like the idea of the peach, but the but I mean like apple bottom jeans. That's what I mean. Like the fit. Yeah. Um. I never wore apple bottoms. I never wore Darion jeans either. I didn't wear a pair of suits. That's okay. I, I missed out too. <laughs> no apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. I never had the boots with the fur. I think I was in high school when that song came out and I, and I just wasn't on the hip game. Plus that wasn't popular in DC. Like a lot of like, it's actually, DC is a very, I call it's very similar to New York and, but not so much, but it's very color palette avoidance like a version of color palette so it's like black and white and gray rule here even navy is a little tricky like you might get get your feelings hurt in some navy but wearing like a red shoe and like you just i think the first time i saw somebody in red shoes i was in freshman year in college and it was like i was like you have on red shoes and i didn't get it i i was totally you know, this so is it, hilarious. <laughs> DC's not like, a color palette town. It's just, it's very neutral. And so, like, you might get away with wearing, like, a green, but maybe a peach might be too, a lavender, a turquoise, those kinds of things out of the, out of pocket for what. Out of pocket. So I feel like in apple bottom jeans, Carl cannot, not popular here. Hmm. Cool. That makes sense. I mean, I I feel like this is brings like another perspective of just like Californians out of California. And like I'd be walking around and all my colorful stuff, and people were like, you must be from California. And when I was younger, yeah. I'd be like, how did you know? And I was like, oh, like because nobody else out here is wearing like tie-dye and like yes. converse and like weird. I love California for that. You all, you all have the color palette down like I feel like you can spot I have a friend from LA who then moved here but she grew up in in Austin Texas of all places so sort of still western but then coming to DC and she and she moved to New York and so her palette is still like she likes a colorful scarf or a pop of color and it's like girl pop of color <laughs> that's my bag is the pop of color like my purse or you know <laughs> I was like, how are we feeling about Paisley designs? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that something too that fashion is um, 
are there people that are less likely to wear those patterns because they are in, in different sizes? So like, you know, how they tell us to avoid prints and, you know, these types of things like, oh, only wear vertical pinstripes. You know, you can't wear the horizontal. Oh my God. Yeah. No, that happens out here too, where it's like, if you're a bigger woman, like, yeah, you don't want horizontal. You don't want to do that. You want the vertical for the illusion that you're skinny. Yeah. And it's like, it's always fat phobic, you know, it's always fat phobic. Like, it's just, that's what it is where it's like, wear this, not that. Wear black. Don't wear colors. Exactly. Don't wear, don't worry about wearing those highlighter colors. Wear the darker colors. Like it's always been that. And it's also like, you know, what we're fed on media of like what the perception of beauty is. Um, and so, you know, of course we default to those colors because it's like, okay, um, this black won't show the shadow of my of my gut. So um, I think I'll stick to this, you know, and then whereas like if you wear the brighter colors, like of course, like it brightens up the room, but then like there's this perception of like, why do I look bigger? I can see the shadow of my folds. Like I, I feel weird, you know? Right. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely fair. slowly trying to get away from that. Like it took a, me, it took me a long, long time to start wearing more colors. Like very recently I started to like branch out, but I'm still on like the dark color spectrum of like my clothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it took me Same. a long time to actually just wear clothes that fit. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I was always, um, I mean, I've always been like a, a larger person, um, but just like growing up. In Hawaii, it was different. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't really feel the size difference. Like, there's just a lot of big people out there anyway. But when I had moved back to California in, like, middle school, um, that's when it was, like, oh, like, cover up. And, like, years and years and years of just, like, layering. (laughs) Even if it was hot outside, I always wore, like, long sleeves. Um, it was like typically like a long sleeve, like black shirt and then like a t-shirt over that. And just like, it was like baggy layers so that people can really see like what the shape of your body was. Um, and it took me a long time to like be comfortable wearing a tank top. And it's like to actually just allow my body to be comfortable and mm-hmm. to like wear clothes that were actually fitted to my body and fitted to my curves and like not worry so much about it. And then I see women on the other spectrum of wearing clothes that are too tight for them because there's like literally don't want to have to say that they wear a size whatever. And so they'll mm-hmm. buy clothes that are like two, three times like too small. And you're like, baby, like stop doing that. It doesn't look good. Like mm-hmm. just because you can say that you're wearing a size 16 doesn't mean that that is like what is suited to your body and like you'll feel better wearing clothes that fit you know you won't be walking around uncomfortable trying to tug your shirt down or like tug your pants up or like the vanity (sighs) yeah yeah vanity sizing crazy yeah absolutely uh well the clothing fight goes on but i do applaud all the true plus size models that are really trying to set the standard like gabby fresh appreciate Mm -hmm. gabby fresh a lot uh, Lizzo's yeah. really doing the work to get more plus size people into her bands and stuff. So then that way it's more recognized. Um, so yeah, I definitely appreciate yeah. all of that. All right, let's go ahead and move along. Um, so I saw 
<laughs> I don't really have a list of nerdy things for you guys, but um, what do you well, guys I think mean, that should like, happen today? Uh, I wanted to have this segment be more of like getting to know your hosts and just like learning what our fandoms are. Because they don't need to know do my ass. Like, cover like such a broad <laughs> spectrum. Like we cover a, a broad spectrum of topics and like we, we're asking people, people are starting to engage with us more. And so it'd be like nice for them to also be like, oh yeah, that's something that I resonate with. Or, oh yeah, I can feel comfortable asking you guys questions on this, that, and the other. Um, so Prowess, let's, uh, what, are you, what are your fandoms? What do you like? What are you um, into? So I what, feel what like, makes you a I mean, it's probably obvious. I'm a, a hip hop um, stan and nerd. I mean, I've been, uh, you know, listening to hip hop from a much more critical lens for much of my life. So even before being a practitioner of it. So, I mean, most people know I do a, um, a podcast uh, where I speak to more sort of the more academic side of, of, I guess, if you will call it that, of like listening to hip hop and experiencing um, uh, the history of it and um, the, the practitioners of the art, how their, what their trajectory has been. Um, often there is no idea original. So we talked about that earlier around like so many people who are influenced by a NOS, but what is some of the, 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 the themes that make that resonant? So, you know, like this person definitely is trying to channel or pay homage to NOS because of the way that they may have written the song, some of the, the, the punchlines or some of the narratives that they use, those types of things. And then, I mean, I feel like, so I'm a musical theater fandom I mean nerd I guess um, so that kind of comes from like growing up in in a, um, a musical household and like going to all of the musical theater experiences so everything from Little Shop of Horrors to like even Hamilton whatever you whatever floats mm. your boat in well, even Hamilton Wait even Hamilton I mean like because people are like oh well that's kind of too new to be a you can't, but it, you know. Oh no! Been, you got your gatekeepers coming at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's not. I, I feel like for musical theater enthusiasts, I'm I'm more so on the side of like I'm a fan who appreciates musical theater, but I'm not. Um, I'm not one of the purists. Yeah, that tries to like. Oh, you can only listen to this kind of. You know, you can only listen to uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or something. You can't listen to any other. Um, musical theater and so i think i think that's changed now in in 2021 the history of it is different if you listen to les, les mis great and we can still celebrate that in the filler of the roof but we also have kinky boots and all these other great new musical theater experiences so yes i feel like that is definitely there um i mean video games to to a certain extent like um obviously my, my have a, I'm raising a video game nerd, but my son is even more than I am. Like he has really gotten into the science and the history of like the actual like franchise of things. So he's gotten into like the Sonic and of course Undertale and, and Super Mario, but listening to him experience it is so much more different than me. Um, so um, yeah, I feel like those are, those are it. Do I, do I enjoy other things? Yes, but those are probably my main things. And, and movie cinema. Um, I like a lot of independent film. I like a lot of, um, what people might say is, you know, indie film has its own sort of genre. 
Um, so I watch a lot of indie film and been watching it for a long period of time. Um, oftentimes those indie films have a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of growth in the industry recently because now, right, indie film can be created from your cell, your cell phone for some people. So it's a lot more into the, the culture has grown a lot. So those are like my top. And then, oh, I, for, I forgot the main one. I feel like sports, um, but particularly basketball. So I'm a basketball nerd. I often get time, like get quoted. I mean, uh, get quizzed, right? It's the thing of like, how much of a basketball nerd are you? But I think when I, it's pretty obvious if like people follow me, if they look at my page or whatever, I am totally into, I've been watching basketball since I was like three. Um, I played basketball <laughs> in high school, um, but stats is like my game. I love the idea around just kind of, again, watching a player's history from college, even high school in some cases, to, you know, to, to the NBA. Um, so I enjoy that too, just kind of the history of that. I love that so much. Like between you and B, like y'all got the sports, the wrestling covered because I do not, I absolutely do not. <laughs> I am that girl. Like I don't, I'll go to a live game, but what? <laughs> is it, what what's what 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 sport is this um and like i yeah so I, kudos to y'all because i don't i couldn't tell you a team a person a year a game some of these people that quote stats to me i'm just like wow yes like, that is me i was like I'm oh that's the, nice <laughs> i'm one of those that quote stats and like but that's only because of the fact that like like you said when you get into something in that way like there is you know people ask me my favorite team and I'm a Celtics fan so very oftentimes you get that is part of the the experience of being a Celtics fan you are going to be quizzed it's it, you're expected to have more historic knowledge than other people like being a Laker fan like you got to know that you got to know it um when you're a Laker fan you're going to take a lot of heat you're going to take a lot of heat at a Celtics fan so I gotta produce <laughs> like, oh, this is absolutely true that I feel that when you are a NBA, NFL, like fan, even like, even like the, God, I can't even say the baseball league. Is it MLB? Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Um, I was like, that, Negro leagues, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that I just, I feel like that whenever you say like, oh, I'm a Lakers fan. And then people are like, okay, where are the stats of this number? And blah, 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 blah. And how they did last year? And blah, blah, blah. What's the percentage? And I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm out. I'm out. I'm say lobby. Goodbye. Um, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> so for you to have that patience where people are like ready, set, go to attack like your knowledge behind it, it goes back to the whole like being like gate kept with like nerdy stuff. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm just like, I can't, I can't like, because like right now in, our, in San Jose, it's like, are you, you're a Warriors fan. Like you're not anybody else. Oh yeah. That's yeah. right. Yes. And I'm just like, I don't care. Like I, I used to follow <laughs> basketball because my brother inter- plays internationally, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm, I think I'm good. I don't think I need to follow along as closely as I used to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's like the sabermetrics people who are like the folks who do the empirical analysis of statistics. Like those folks are 
So when people are like talking about stats, I'm like, if you have, haven't gotten into like safer metrics, you don't even need to be talking stats because there is a level of like empirical analysis that most human beings are not doing unless you like are in that Moneyball movie, if you remember that <laughs> with Brad Pitt. Um, but state now sports betting is a thing. So that will be something that will increase, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. No, that's cool, though. I didn't realize that you were into sports like that heavy. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the only thing I feel any attachment to is like, I'm just like, oh, okay, I heard about a thing. And I memed like Stephen A. Smith this week, because he's extra. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. He's not exactly a favorite, but he's an ex. He's like, he, he gets so extra. So it's always fun to like, you know, remix his rants. <laughs> exactly. He's extra, but I'm like, everything else, I feel like when you say, when we say that fandom, because I'm like, I'm just as much of a comic book head, um, but I, you know, I would never dare call myself because I feel like people try to quiz me immediately on like how deeply, you know, my MCU knowledge goes. I'm, I'm a fan. I have read the comics extensively, but I couldn't be quizzed on every single character and minor character and crossover comic and know every single, you know, alternative storyline that, that a character has had either. I can't tell you about the time that Wolverine, you know, went in, in an alternate universe, was on a different planet. You know, it's like, wait a second. No, I don't know that, but. <laughs> I can't tell you when Wolverine actually met Spider-Man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wait, can't tell what, you when what, Thanos what you, like approached Mary Jane and was like, yeah. So what, what about this tiger you've been talking Ray about? He made a different planet for him to live on, on Earth 616. And what about when in you know, 1963, September uh, issue, volume one, number two, when in the House of X, it was like, I, 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 yeah, see that? I'm not, I'm not going to do that with you. But let's just enjoy, like, that we love. <laughs> can, we, can we just enjoy? <laughs> can we enjoy? <laughs> oh my gosh uh what about you kylie what's your fandoms um so i love a lot of sci-fi i'm a big sci-fi nerd yeah. um yes i'm like i love it i love it i love it from books like to comics to tv shows to movies if it's sci-fi like i will consume it um lord of the rings fantasy novels like i read a lot as a child and so um a lot of my like nerddom comes from like that type of like world building um love tolkien who doesn't love tolkien um like i just really appreciate the the amount of detail that goes into a work like that um, yes and that's something that has been like generational in my family. You know, it's like the grandparents read it to, to my mom and they did all the voices and Aww. like my aunts would read it to me and do all the voices. And so uh, that's just like something that's near and dear. And uh, like, I'm sad to say like, I'm, I love shows from Joss Whedon, but he's <laughs> such a problematic man. Like he's oh, such a problematic yeah. creator. Yes, he's but I like, Oh, but like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, like yeah. That it's my those are my jam. This Makur and uh, so like 
any any weed in verse you want to talk we can talk uh brown coats for life um and let's see what else uh music i'm also i wouldn't say um necessarily like i wouldn't be able to be like quizzed on hip-hop per se like very specific era like i i could do 90s hip-hop and like we could talk about that all day mm-hmm. like alternative rock we could talk about that all day um like what else i'm a big, big anatomy nerd like uh didn't just choose massage for no reason like i love like human body stuff mm-hmm. um i was like a pre-med student and um so that just really speaks to me and um, ties into the, like the type of art that I like to do as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's just uh, some of my fandoms, I guess. I feel like it's um, not as, I guess a little more like obscure. Like I also love like indie films and I was also like a musical theater kid. Yeah. Um, and so like a lot of my, like I didn't get um, the opportunities to play video games like, growing up. I like, because of just how my my childhood was like, I didn't really have TV for a lot of the shows and like movies. So there's like a large gap of just things that were popular that I just missed out on that I'm rediscovering now, which is kind of like really fun. Um, and like V gets to take me along for all kinds of rides, barcades and whatnot. Like I never had really gone to like an arcade before. Yeah. Um, and played video games, but I did live in Hawaii, so I grew up heavily steeped in anime, and I read mangas, and if I went to friends' houses, like, that's what we were watching. We were watching mm-hmm. Sailor Moon, and we were watching all these other shows, um, and I actually yeah. started watching, like, Bleach and Naruto, and um, yes. I'm like, what else? Like, all of those shows happened for me, like, late high school, early college, um, and, like, Anytime I was over at friends' houses, we were watching, watching whatever we could, mostly Adult Swim at night. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a bit like, yeah, that, that's, the Adult Swim has saved me. They saved me. Those are my fandoms. Oh, and poetry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, like, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting, you're forgetting something massive. Something <laughs> how i met kylie this is how i met this girl i want her to start doing slam poetry again because the way that she recites like words of wisdom it's beautiful like i feel like i'm in like it the feeling that you're supposed to get in church is how kylie sounds when she's slamming her poetry like for real and that's why i'm like every so often for walking out in public and i just look at her i'm like hey so when are you gonna start doing that again Mm-hmm. Bro, that's so funny. I just did um like a little bathroom freestyle. I'm getting back into I'm getting I'm gonna get back into it. I, I swear I promise. I did it like a, a freestyle the other day at work in the bathroom just because I like the acoustics in there. It's really nice. Like I'm one of those people I will go sing in the bathroom like and have myself a good jolly time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Me too. Like, I yes. A little like I think it was like sixty seconds worth of just little freestyle off the top, and I was like, my mom had messaged me and she was like, "Oh, what's this song? It's so pretty." I was like, "Oh, it's a freestyle. Like, it's fine. Thanks." But it was just like getting. I've been getting some nice like positive feedback and stuff like that. So we'll be we'll be writing more and more and uh, starting to perform now that like school's wrapping. I'll have time to actually dedicate to other things. 
besides work and school and home. Right. But yeah. Now I'm looking forward to yes. Home Depot is my fandom. Power tools. <laughs> That's the new thing. That Stop is it. it. Home Depot is the fandom. <laughs> I think Home Depot is our fandom. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and v, um, what, what about, about you? you, V? Tell us. Um. Hi, I'm V. I'm V. <laughs> um, my fandoms are taking territory over my nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so, fun fact, um, and I think all Veronicas can attest to this, but we're very, very um, protective about our nicknames, um, especially Ronnie is the nickname uh, that mm-hmm. we're very protective about, and we all have a strange like obsession of keeping the R-O-N-I nickname, even though a lot of our families, if they do call us Ronnie, it's, it's R-O-N-N-I-E. Like, even though we're over here, like trying to change it up to R-O-N-I. Oh my God, Ronnie. But um, also (laughs) if anybody outside of this podcast, which I just kind of probably shot myself in the mouth with this, but uh, if you call me Ronnie outside of here and you're not from my childhood, it doesn't click right. (laughs) <laughs> it just does not click right and then also we have now an adult fascination of calling ourselves v um so it's common in the veronica community um if y'all veronicas who are listening are listening to this and you're just like yeah no she's right um definitely <laughs> say something um okay no but all jokes aside um as you guys know i i'm very very much big into the main three things which is um video games, anime, and uh, playing instrumental music, um, which I'll blanket that as like one term because I don't just do jazz with um, bass trombone, but I also have done other things for other folks in different areas of music, like orchestral and and, um, wind wind ensembles and stuff like that. Um, I was, where do I start? Yeah, so I'm really into anime. Oh. The Toonami era is the thing that I was into. The the main thing that really got me into it is when I saw a commercial for Sailor Moon and I was just immediately hooked. Um, I'm also was into creating fan fictions for a long time when I was a kid. I loved making different <laughs> fan fictions for different animes. Yeah, I just found myself in that in the area. And so my favorite fan fiction I probably wrote was my fan fictions for Final Fantasy 7 which is a video game from like 1997 um where I created a whole saga with the with the kids of the characters um and for some reason and you know when I was a kid and this is just all how we were all groomed as girls but for some reason I had this dumb fascination and I thought 14 year old girls were okay to date 21 year old guys that was just what yeah, and it's just because I was a child writing this, and so we always kept fascinating over like the whole like we want an older man thing. Yeah. Obviously, that was a big mistake. Yeah. These are all in the old archives of old computers uh, that that were definitely destroyed because I dropped one of them and I went whoops in the trash it goes. <laughs> so, uh, but other than that, like it was just fun to write these things. I also did one for Inuyasha. I done one for. Um, not any Yasha. I've also done one for uh, Full Metal Alchemist, and so those were kind of like my favorite animes growing up. Yeah. Um, Same. So we, yeah, see, this is why we all get along. There's a lot of similarities here. 
<laughs> Video games were my favorite thing too. Um, I really fell in love with the Nintendo system and the PlayStation system. I fell in love with PlayStation 2 because Kingdom Hearts happened and Final Fantasy X happened and also Tekken Tag happened. And so those are like my favorite video games to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nintendo system, I played Mario Party and all of like the old school, like Perfect Dark, um, GoldenEye. I also played this other James Bond game uh, that was that had the one with Dr. Christmas in it. I can't remember which Bond game that was, but I remember playing that one a lot. Okay, yeah. Um, and so, and Donkey Kong 64 was the jam. Uh, so I was really into those. Um, I know Kylie hinted at me liking wrestling. I actually was a late bloomer in wrestling. Um, I really got into it during the ruthless aggression era, which is right after the attitude era, which was like in the nineties. And everyone's like, Oh, that's trash. You should have been there for like, you know, the rock and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I should have been there for McFoley, but I wasn't. And I came in where John Cena, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Dave Batista, um was that was their prime um also that's when lita lita was my favorite wrestler because i love the moonsault i absolutely love the moonsault was very cringy with the storyline with her and kane which i will always like you know talk about but they always do like cringy storylines with women like that they also did a really cringy one with uh stacy mcmahon so it was a whole thing um and also yeah. So anyway, um, but yeah, the divas at that time was like Stacy Keebler, uh, Trish Stratus, Lita. Yeah. Um, we had um, who else was there? Um, uh, not what's her name? So Lily Garcia was the announcer, which I miss. I miss her voice. Like Lily yeah. Garcia was just great with announcing each person coming in. But um, anywho. Yeah, like that was kind of around when I was watching wrestling and I watched it mostly in like 2000 and 2003. And then like I kind of stopped around at the end of high school and then I fell back in love with it again as of recently. So really into it. I really liked Raw. I actually like SmackDown better and I've been expanding my reach into watching more AEW. Um, so I'm just kind of like still refreshing my love for that. Um, and then trombone uh which i already mentioned before but yeah trombone's been a thing i play in seven street big band i'm a big bonehead um i'm not gonna tell you like all the different artists but my my new thing is actually trying to find out more about women who play trombone because we are out there but we're so hidden because the bone community elevates and celebrates all the men and it's really hard to find the women because when we were in school we only knew about um melba melba liston who yeah. has that's the, only, that's the only woman trombone player that i even know to be very yeah <laughs> yeah but we forget that there was women also women like you know helen woods jones um and then current day women who play trombone are like jennifer wharton who i had the pleasure of meeting um and but like you know with the names that are just so far and few like there's more of us yeah. out there that need to be more celebrated um and so yeah like I, I've been on this adventure to find not only like, you know, women who play, but also, you know, black women who play. And like, I've probably only seen like two other black women who play across the country. And like, we follow each other on Instagram, but that's about it. And so it's really hard to find women of color who play trombone. And it's, and, and so like, I want to try to make sure that we, we elevate those women to a higher standard. Cause like, you know, I, 
I had a, I had an okay time like with private teachers, but like it could have been, I could have been, you know, accommodated better as, you know, as a woman who plays trombone. That's just what I'll say to the very least. Um, But, you know, luckily there is a group called Chromatic Brass Collective that I'm also a part of, which Mm -hmm. we are trying to make women of color as well as um, non-binary folks who play instruments and also, you know, celebrate those on the LGBTQ plus community um, who also play brass. So then that way we're more visible than like the standard of like white men who just play play music. Um, Mm -hmm. Y'all had your time for decades and it's our time to shine. So like, I'm not trying to say that they're, they're not notable. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Andy Martin. Andy Martin's a great guy, just as an example, but at the same time, like, you know, Dave Taylor and Charles Vernon, like we all know those names in the, in the trombone community, but I need them. I need more Jennifer Wharton's and Robin Ami's in the world. Like we need that. So that's that's kind of like my whole thing of like being on this new search of trying to f- make women like me more visible in in the brass community. Um, but yeah, I I guess that's just kind of like my quick fandoms. I do go to a bunch of conventions a lot. I'm a weird convention head, um, keeping it safe because of COVID. But um, you know, oh, and nerdcore music. Excuse me, I forgot about that. Right, I was like, um, ma'am, yeah. Don't last and drive. Hello. Sorry, family. I'm sorry, my what? bad. I guess also my my weird nerdy thing is to getting to know people. Like I think that's also kind of a weird thing. Like oh. I mean, we are, we're all like this. Don't get me wrong, but like I really wanted to go out of my way to do interviews with people, so that way their stories are more you know prominent in front and then they can also use that information for their portfolios like i love hearing about people's stories and where they came from and so that kind of makes me a weird like soft edge journalist but not really a journalist because like i i don't know but anyway um yeah like i that's kind of like my other thing too so um yeah dot 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 i'm done i'm done we all did it guys we did it we talked about ourselves Hello. We did the this, thing. This is yes. us. You know Hopefully us. You guys enjoyed it. <laughs> Celebrating <we> us. <laughs> Celebrating us. Look at us. We're nuanced. We're dynamic. We're awesome. I feel like Paul Rudd, like in that hot, hot the hot wings episode. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> we're here. We're doing it. Um. Okay. Well, I know we're kind of getting too close of a closing note. Um, so Kylie, do you want to go ahead and talk about the call to action? Um, so yesterday in Monterey, we had the women's March here. Right. Um, and then, um, it, I've noticed there, there's a trend of like women's marches that are going to be happening all throughout, uh, this month. And it's mainly in reaction to the bill that had passed, right? Um, So now we are having to fight again um, for issues that we had already (laughs) um, fought for, you know, Roe v. Wade. And um, so my call to action would be for anybody to find out what what local marches are going on in your area, how you can support. Um, we know there's going to be the big um, uh, rally for abortion justice in that's DC. Yep. Right. 
Um, that was yesterday, yes. That was yesterday yep. as well. So really people like this issue is one of human rights and one of equity and one of morality and there's all these people who are coming out and who will use like religion to justify their stances on being anti-abortion but my thing is you have to be pro-choice every woman has the right of autonomy over her own body and it's taken so long for women even to get the rights that they do have here and um it's a personal choice, right? I know all these people are coming out with their obscure personal stories, but the thing is, that is your personal story and your personal experience should not affect another person's ability to have autonomy over their lives. Um, so this is a serious matter. Um, I think a lot of people throw words like feminism around um, and they don't really understand what that means or it's become so politicized that they just can't really see that it's basically just I'm not trying to say that men are less than women I'm not saying that women are more than or that uh, we should have extra rights but uh, we should have the right over our own bodies the decisions to you know I mean like women are not here pushing legislature for vasectomies you know what I mean? To make the sex exactly. mandatory for men, even though that would be easier. We're not out here pushing birth control on men like we could be, even though it would be a lot easier for men um, to take those types of interventions. Um, but it also comes down to, you know, the, these ideas of white supremacy, that you have a right over someone else's body. You, yourself, can dictate what happens to someone else. Um, and I feel like it's something that a lot of communities of color and especially like black communities don't understand and see how a lot of these thought patterns come directly from white supremacy and our tools that are used to divide our community and our tools that are used to control our communities. Um, and so just recognizing that some of these behaviors and ideas came from colonialism, came from white supremacy, and that they should be examined before you try to then pass the buck and exert power on someone who you feel is lesser than you to make yourself feel stronger. Um, yeah, so that that is my call to action, would just be some introspection and some research for everyone across the board, men, women, go out and support because it's not just a women's issue it's a human rights issue. Yes. Yeah, and th real quick, I was thinking like how it's so important to, I mean, yes, women are the front lines of fighting for this, right? Mm -hmm. Women who want, who need the autonomy. Um, but it's also up to our men too, to stand up and, and really check and check their men. Like, 
it, it, it's so much stronger too when we got that other side of support, especially in a cis heterosexual environment, like where men, where these laws are being passed that don't give women agency to make their own choices and to safely make their own choices. Um, and so when you have men who see that, like, no, this is wrong, like they should have a choice to do that. Um, they also check the men that are trying to fight against that. Be like, nah, dude, that's not cool. You know, like something to that effect, because the more support we receive, the more, you know, normalized this it will become to be. And also to be clear, we can't change everybody's mind, but if we get the majority on this, that's what's important. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's fine to disagree. It's fine to have other opinions. It's not okay to strip someone of their choice. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I don't have any Big Move Mondays. Did you guys have any Big Move Mondays for this week? Not really. I feel like uh, <laughs> I've just been so crazy with this week. I had no big moves. Neither. No. <laughs> That's okay. We can save it for next we, week. But we are you, the big moves. Look at we us. We are the big moves. <laughs> Look at us um, go. Big Move Monday. The trio is back again. <laughs> If anybody has a big move Monday that they want to shout out for on the show, please let us know. We're more than happy to take the take suggestions and to elevate those who deserve to be elevated. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to Lady Blurred Sings the Blues. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Pods, and our original home SoundCloud. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Lady Blurred's Podcast for questions and suggestions about the show. Email us at don't cast in drive spelled don't cast and drive lastly and of course beats and music shout outs will go to the rap nerd for our theme and dj 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 tyokin and mark cooper for, for keeping us uplifted within the show i totally butchered that my bad forgive me please so much hearts um but yeah thank you for joining us today and have a wonderful week don't be surprised, life will continue, we enterprise and a rental is what we were given on a physical realm Eventually we're meant to leave it, what we did and learn will be repeated Cycles never ended, so it cannot be repeated I am love, I am peace, I am joy, that can never be destroyed I am love, I am peace, I am joy, came here to fill the void I am love